Welcome to Queer Indie, a podcast where we have conversations with artists and musicians over their personal journey through the music industry. On our first episode, we have Fani from the Chicana punk rock band, Fea. I have known Fani from her days in Girl Coma. Actually, Fani was the first one to inspire me to pursue my dream of becoming a music journalist. So in a weird way, this is a full circle moment for me. I also want to give a brief shout out to my good friend Chase for creating our incredible music for this podcast. So with that out of the way, let's just get started. Enjoy the podcast, guys. So what was your first experience with the music industry? What was it like for you? I guess I started really playing in the in the mid-90s, um, but I didn't really start getting into the industry probably at around, I want to say around 2007 when my band got signed, Girl in a Coma. And um, from there, I got to like really see how it works because we had uh, our first record that came out had hit on billboard and we started touring a lot and just kind of getting the taste of being like a mid-level band at, at a point doing it for a living. So I'm, I'm really, I started the band in kind of the peak of when uh, technology wasn't really taken over yet. So we had this old school kind of way of approaching music in terms of like, we would make a record and then to us, in order to garner a fan base and to continue that growth, we needed to hit the road. So we were always really big on touring and touring and touring. Of course, now we're, we're trying to now keep up with all these apps and things that are coming out, different services that are available like Spotify and, and uh, even creating content through places like TikTok and, and all these numerous Instagram, you know what I mean? That's just all kind of coming along now. And um, it's, it's a lot, but um, you know, we're, we're at this point just like learning about each streaming service and, and how, how can we utilize that in our advantage? But there's also tons of cons to it, I think. And um, I would say mainly the cons to it, the first fact being that they pay you next to nothing. I mean, you have to have like 250 streams on Spotify just to get a buck. And um, I think it also kind of, to, this is my opinion, it kind of makes up and coming musicians a little lazier. They, they kind of start depending on, on the, the easy access of the internet versus uh, going out there and really showcasing what they're capable of doing. Because I think that the hard work is just as important as the content online. So that's where my head's at with that. <laughs> Do you feel that there's a sense of pressure where our band doesn't have a TikTok or like, hey, I don't have a Twitter. Like, I need to get on it because if not, I'm going to be phased out. I, at first, you know, there was so much coming out and, and we meet a lot of younger bands that, you know, start telling us about the different streamings and we're like, oh, crap, you know, we need to learn about this new one and this new one. Honestly, I think at the end of the day, I don't think anything beats being able to to go to the audience because anybody can create anything on, on the internet. There's filters now and auto tuners and things that you can mask your talent with. If even you have it, you can create like you're some badass, you know, through the internet and then put it out and millions and millions and millions can hear it. Do you have the, the chops to back it up? And I think the notoriety and, and the longevity comes from you actually going to the people. And I don't think that's ever going to be something that's going to get lost. In your opinion, what's the definition of success and what does that look to you? To me, success is being able to maintain a living off of the art you're creating. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a mansion and, and these fancy ass, you know, cars and things like that. I think just being able to maintain 
a living that's comfortable for you to continue to create your art, you've become successful. That you're able to do this 24-7. You can, you know, pay your place of living, pay your, your bills, and, and then be able to wake up and, and just solely concentrate on what you enjoy doing. I think in any aspect, whatever you choose as your job, just being able to to create the environment and maintain it to um, to do what you love for a living is success. I think now more than ever, I think success and um, younger generation, mm-hmm. it's basically getting like, you know, million views on TikTok and it's like, oh, I made it. Or right. getting that instant like overnight success and mm-hmm. it, it's you're done i think it's so interesting now more than ever there's more flavors of the month i suppose and it's like mm-hmm. you're hot one minute and then the next day it's like whatever happens to so and so right it's a very it's a to me it's just an add just a social way of living that everyone now the younger generation that's what scares me a little bit is that it's it's very like throwaway culture like i've you know I've, i like this song but i haven't heard the whole record or this was a top, you know, this was recommended to me through Spotify. Cool, I like it. I'll add it to the playlist. But they didn't take the time to sit down and get to know the artist. That's where you have to start to brainstorm. Like now, this is the new way of thinking is like, now what do I do if you've got their attention, you know, for that quick moment, how to keep them there? Because that old school way of going to buy a record and actually feeling the record in your hand or the CD and, and then reading the linear notes and and seeing what influenced them, that's starting to be, it's its dying. And and there has to be a way to either bring that back or, or learn how to keep their attention. You kind of almost have to become the pill for ADD in a weird way. It's funny that you mentioned that because growing up, I grew up like in the mid to late, late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I would always like wake up and watch like, you know, VH1 MTV, like the music videos. Right. And recently, I haven't been seeing a lot of interaction with music videos now. And, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to question whether that's our attention span as, you know, hey, we really don't want to sit for three to four minutes watching something. Or is it just like, hey, like now it's just basically streams and playlists and like, oh, OK, it's on it's on Spotify. It's on, you know, Pandora. We could just right. listen to it there. Yeah, no, I think that's what's happening is it's just people don't have the time. And and I and I don't know why, like why everyone is such in a hurry all of a sudden of, of why, you know, I don't have three minutes to spare. I don't have this time to take in this piece of art. I don't have the time to discover more about this artist, you know, and there has to, there's, that's where we're all, I think musicians are kind of trying to get it together and figure out ways to like get content to, to their fan base and keep them engaged. And I think like, some of the, the the pros are like apps like Patreon where you can like subscribe to the artist and and the artist can keep giving you content while you while you're paying you know to to remain in in that circle. Um, that's a start, I think. But that's maybe that's where the pressure comes from. Like, how do you keep them engaged? Kind of. How can we change the way artists and musicians get paid in a world full of music streams? See, I, I, that's something with the with the apps. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous how they chose to pay less than cents of the dollar to artists. When I look at these apps as giant record stores, except they're they're not paying rent for the building. You know, they're literally just having to maintain a website and bring in these streams, and and they're sometimes they're getting paid through advertisement. So the money is there. They need to start figuring out a way to commission the artists, like just like a, a record sh- shop would. 
if they're carrying your record, you're going to get, you know, so many units if, if your stuff is pushing. If an artist is starting to garner so many streams to that website, I think that there should be some kind of a commission towards that artist because they're bringing attention to that website. They're streaming specifically from that website to maintain um, or to listen to that artist. So it's, it's really on the site. And I can understand why a lot of artists who put their blood, sweat and tears in one song are getting pennies to the dollar, you know, of here you go, you know, for the 250 people that came to listen to it, here's a buck. It shouldn't work like that. I, I hope that younger artists see that that's wrong and that they, they kind of, I, I like that people are speaking up against it and, you know, there's petitions coming out to, to raise it. You know, we're asking to be paid for our work. Pop global superstars, for example, like Taylor Swift, I think in 2014, 15, mm -hmm. she came out against Spotify and she's like, no, like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to put out my whole catalog to be paid for what pennies on a, on, a, on a song. Right. And obviously, you know, it's unfortunate that like, in the music industry, there's a lot of misogyny and, you know, they labeled her as a bitch. Like, oh, no, she's just, right. you know, corporate. She's greedy. And realistically, it's like, no, it's like, you know, you know, yeah, she is a global pop star. So I'm sure she could survive being paid a couple of pennies here and there. Right. But, you know, to think of that contrast versus like, you know, the independent artist and the up and coming indie band that mm -hmm. doesn't have that luxury and, you know, to make that everyday dollar, it's really discouraging. It is. But I, I think that more artists like her need to do that because even though they can they can afford to do that. It, it, it leads by example. If you don't have the heavy hitters not wanting to come in and put their music on your, your site and you're losing these people, you know, it's going to make them think. It's going to make them reevaluate re how they're paying their artists so that these bigger heavy hitters will come in and then open the door for everybody else. So we need, we need people like her, despite whatever the genre is or whatever. If they have the fan base, they need to, to speak up against it because they need to remember where they started and how hard they had to work to even get paid what they get paid. So I, I think it's important that bigger artists keep doing that. I know that this past year, uh, 2020 and entering 2021, has been really difficult for bands and not being mm -hmm. able to tour. How has the pandemic affected FEA? Well, it, it really sucked because we were about to um, go and do like punk rock bowling and we had a national tour with the subhumans and like all these things were coming up and um it just knocked everything out and it it took away money from our pockets that we we were going to use to maintain our living and to continue to tour so we had to quickly brainstorm as to what was going on and how we could still reach everybody and that's where where uh, places like stage it came about and we had discovered these streaming platforms where we can put on the virtual concerts I had done it once with Girl Nakoma a while back before the pandemic and right away when, when it hit and we knew that we couldn't go anywhere or do anything, we thought of the, the stage it platform and it's basically like you're paying ticket price to watch online and people made it fun. You know, they, they sat in their living rooms and had their drink like they were at a concert and jammed along. And so it, we had to quickly think and, and luckily people reached out and helped and, and you have a virtual tip jar and all these things and platforms are great because it opens it to the artist to, to name their price, you know, like, what do you want to charge for them to watch you? Do you want them to tip you? You know, you can leave anything open and the stream is as long as you want it to be.
And and that's what we tried to do and, and it worked. So that's how we survived, really. And it was unfortunate because I believe your album, um, No Novelties, came out mm-hmm. what, like 2019, like the end of the year. And yeah, yeah. That's, that was what totally sucked about it is that we had just put this record out and we had lined up a lot of things for, for promotion for it. And it just, you know, it's now it's water into the bridge. So during the pandemic, on top of doing the the streams, which a lot of artists were doing, which was great, was writing i think a lot of artists were like now what you know we got to prepare something new we got to continue to give content because again it goes back to to the attention span you know if you if we just went into the cocoon for the year people would forget would for, would forget what you were doing and even the record the record came out and you know it could just be like well, oh i forgot about that second record you know so it's we just started writing more content and hopefully we'll have that out fairly soon um but you had to you had to be quick on your feet with that for sure yeah i think a lot of artists struggle to basically uh promote their album and at Mm -hmm. the same time you know the record business the record industry was frozen like they weren't willing to sign anyone unless like you were this big pop superstar they weren't willing to put forth like the commercial effort into producing albums and but i also think the pandemic really did help bands become more creative and basically do things a little bit different that you know if they were the everyday like you know like rush of the music industry like we wouldn't necessarily have those creative outlets i'm not sure yeah. I, I mentioned her before but taylor swift um she mm-hmm. released this amazing record that wasn't the stereotypical pop record it was more like folk right. and experimental at one album of the year and i thought like wow like if we never had the pandemic i don't think we would have got this side of taylor swift it's, you're absolutely right. I, I think it, it brought out even more of creativity than maybe the robotic platform they were used to. Like just, you know, I got to make this kind of record and go out, this kind of record and go out. You were forced to be in and you were just kind of needed to do something different. And I, I'm i hoping that the with the pandemic, it kind of reminded artists too that how quickly this can be taken away and how important it is to not just rely on 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 streaming services like you had to become creative you had to do these streams and show what you were capable of doing live instead of just putting out whatever and you had to think quick and and i think hopefully that was a wake-up call for a lot of artists you know to keep moving and keep being smart about stuff were you inspired by any musicians or artists in particular during the, uh, the pandemic or did you go back and say like oh wow i forgot this person had this record or vice versa I started actually going back to watching a lot of documentaries on bands just to kind of not lose the focus of, it was scary. It was scary because I had been touring for like 10 years and all of a sudden I I couldn't for a year. So my brain was just like almost like in this dark place. So I literally had to like remind myself what I worked hard for and, and and that it was going to be okay. So I resorted back to the inspiration of documentaries of just like kind of watching a lot of like the decline of Western civilization. And there was a documentary on L7 and the slits. Like I just kind of went back and to the roots of just reminding myself of hard work. And that once this was all over, that I had to get right back out there and, and work just as hard. And that's what kind of got me through not being able to get out to the people for the year. I know as a fan of your music and your band and 
your previous band, you know, I, I'm more excited more than ever to see any person perform. <laughs> same, same. Believe me, I'm, I can't wait to perform to everybody and get back on the road. And I, our first big show um, back is on August 21st, I think, where Joan's playing again. So um, we'll be opening for Joan Jett in Austin. And I think we're going to do like a mini Texas thing just to kind of dip our toes back in the water and get used to that routine of touring. And, and hopefully by the fall is we're shooting for, you know, where the band's getting vaccinated and we're just kind of all preparing and still trying to be safe and smart, but wanting to kind of just get back out there, you know? It's crazy. Like, you know, you think about, you know, a year ago, like where you were at at this exact moment, it's like, you know, I remember, mm -hmm. I think it was in, I think roughly in May, I bought tickets for a concert in London. I was just supposed to see Jesse Ware. And her, oh wow! And her concert was supposed to be like in April the twenty fourth of yeah this month. Mm -hmm. And I remember like talking to my then boyfriend. I was like, you know what? Like everything's gonna be fine. Like you know, this is gonna go away in a year. We're gonna be totally fine. And right. we bought these tickets. And then a year later, it's like, oh, actually, no, it's not gonna happen. Damn, not crazy. That's the same thing. Like when we when the pandemic had hit in March, we were in New York, and the the next tour that we were supposed to embark on in the summer was with the, with subhumans and they're from the UK. And so we didn't, we just thought, okay, this is going to pass. Like, you know, whatever's happening. We were still really stoked to do that tour. And it, we knew things were getting serious when they couldn't leave the country. They're like, we can't even fly over. And then they shut everything off and we're like, yeah, damn. And then just to watch it continue, 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 grow, 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 grow. It was just, it's crazy. It was scary, but I'm, I'm glad to see there's progression and then yeah. there's some form of normalcy coming back, you know? It's crazy to think about a world like uh, pre-COVID without wearing like face masks and social distancing. I know. I, yeah, I'm like, oh, get used to the, yeah. you got used to the mask and having them and then just having them in your car and all around you. And you're just like, sheesh, you didn't, how do you even wear the mask? When I first got them, I was like, how do you even put this like properly on? <laughs> just so crazy, really. So my final question is um, very broad and any answer would be great. Um, mm -hmm. Considering we talked about Spotify and like online streaming with concerts and the pandemic, in your opinion, right. what does the future of the music industry look like? Do you think it's going to change? I feel like, and I'm hoping that there's just this newfound appreciation for it. And maybe it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where I feel like a lot of the new generation didn't really appreciate the artists that are putting out content and not taking the time to really explore what the artist is about and, and their catalog. And, you know, they're just listening to a song and putting in their thing. Maybe this was something that maybe this is the answer. Now that when this is all said and done and we're back to concerts, people are going to look around and be like, wow, this was gone and this can go at any time. And really just now, absorb what's happening around them if they go to a festival really pay attention to how hard that artist is working you know how meaningful that song is and maybe really explore what brought them there to watch this artist and and, and to really kind of support that because it was it was gone and you know that old saying of like you don't really know what you have till it's gone maybe it'll have a new meaning for to generation and and maybe that's what we needed. Maybe there's the answer. <laughs>
All right. Well, uh, thank we'll you see. so much for um, talking to me and kind of like picking your brain a little bit about the music industry. Of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fani, for having this conversation about your journey in the music industry and also giving us your opinion about the current climate of the music industry. We'll continue with our next episode featuring Nina Diaz, and we'll talk to her about her recent endeavors in Patreon. And as always, we'll continue to have this conversation about music. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.